You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. But uh, years ago, we had a, a talent show, and um, you know, the LA Church of Christ, we're part of the LA Church of Christ, which is a family of churches all around the LA area. We used to meet all together, and then we've spread into all these areas like the South Bay Church. So we rarely meet all together anymore because we're so spread out. But years ago, uh, we were still meeting together more often. We had this talent show for the whole L.A. church. So there was about 2,000 people there. And it was a pretty big, you know, production. And uh, I had this number that I was doing. It was a song I'd written. And, you know, it's a talent show, so you're trying to show your talent, right? So so, um, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to... And the song starts kind of soft and mellow, and then it gets kind of big. And so I was going to do this sort of one-man band thing. And um, so I had my keyboard, and then I had this little keyboard module that had sounds that came out of it. And I, I programmed a song. It was called a sequencer. So I programmed the song kind of like a track that I would play along with. And then I had a guitar, an electric guitar with a pedal. And so uh, the idea was, you know, the song starts, and it's, it's kind of soft and, 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 and uh, you know, mellow. And then I hit this button, and then this beat comes on. And then I grab my electric guitar and start jamming out and do the rest of the song, right? So that's how the, it's supposed to work. So I, I, I do this song, and, and I start it, and it's going okay. And, and there's all these things that go through your mind when you're doing this. So first of all, I was really rattled because the person right before me, I had to set up all this stuff. You know, I had to set up the keyboard, this, the pedal, the guitar. So the guy that was the MC for the night was supposed to do this top ten list as I was getting set up. And I don't know if he forgot, I don't know what happened, but he didn't do the top 10 list. So there's the act before me, and then he's like, and now we have from the South region, Brian Craig. So the lights, all these lights come on, there's 2,000 people, and I'm setting things up, I'm like plugging it in. So I'm like trying to hook up my stuff, and I'm like, you know, sorry guys, you know, hold on. So anyway, so, so I was kind of rattled, but I'm like, okay, I'm sort of settling in. And when you're doing a song, you know, you're thinking about the song, but your mind is also going all these other places sometimes if you're a musician, you know what I'm talking about, and you're trying to kind of bring it back. I'm like, okay, I'm focused, I'm in a good spot. So then I hit the little button where the groove comes in, and it was on the wrong song. So it was like a totally different, you know, song that I had made, but it was like completely different. And it was really loud, and like, it had nothing to do with the one. So I was like, oh, so then at that moment, it's like, what do I do? Like, I, you know, so I just decided to start over. And I knew at that point I'd lost the talent show because you only had a certain amount of time, and I knew I was going to go over. I was like, oh, well, well, at least I can show that I'm talented. I don't know. <laughs> Try to do better. So I started over, tried to get, I got, I got the thing set up right, and then I get to the part, and then the music kicks in. I grab my electric guitar, and I'm playing the guitar, and I'm singing. I get to the second verse. It's going okay, but then about, like, the chorus... I start hearing this sound like, like ah, bzz, ah, you know, this horrible sound. And I realized that my pedal, my pedal had done this before, like one other time. It, it was making these horrible sounds, my guitar pedal. So as I'm singing, I like unplug my guitar from the pedal. I take the pedal and I throw it off stage <laughs> in like a little fit of rage, still with a smile on my face. And then I plug it back into my guitar. And so then I, you know, just keep going. I'm like, okay, we got through the second verse, got through the chorus, I'm singing. Then I get to the last verse, and my guitar breaks a string. Not one string, two strings. So then it's like, and if you're a guitar player, especially electric guitar, 
it, it just knocks the whole thing out of tune. I'm going to talk to you guys over here. So, so the whole thing's out of tune. So now the guitar sounds horrible, too. And uh, so then I just finished it. And I was so, I was smiling, but in my heart, I'm just so angry at everything. You know what I mean? And you get done, and then, like, I mean, people are applauding, but it's more like, I feel sorry for you, applause, you know? And, um, and then everybody is, like, saying the same thing afterwards, like, you just persevered, you know? You did such a great job of just not giving up, and, you know, it just... It was just so frustrating. And I remember feeling like I am never doing any kind of talent thing. I'm never using my talents for church again. Like, this, uh, it's too much. And I, I share that story because everybody's had some experience where you try to do something, you try to use your gifts, you try to use your abilities, and it just crashes and burns. You know, it might be your, your cooking, it might be your hospitality, it might be you're just trying to be an usher and help in the parking lot and you get in a fight with somebody. I don't know, you know, but we all have... We all have these things that we try to serve, and it just doesn't go well. And so I, I, we're, we're closing out our series on by his power and for his glory from, from 1 Peter 4. And the passage says that God has given us these gifts. Everybody here has some kind of gift. If you're a Christian, you know, if you're a Christ follower, it says that he gives us gifts. And so God has shaped you. And, and, and even if you're not a Christ follower, God has shaped you and he has a plan for you. And it's just up to, to you. You know, you have that free will that Mike talked about. Thanks for sharing, Mike. Awesome to have you in the ministry. We're going to uh, utilize his teaching abilities a lot more. So he's been a disciple a long time. So he's new to us, but he's not new to the Lord. He's been around a long time, but he has a, a, a lot of great thoughts. But so we have this free will. So we can either choose to follow God's plan or not. But God has uniquely qualified, uniquely gifted every person here in some way to use for his mission. It's just a matter of whether we're going to do it or not. And it says in this passage that we've been reading, the end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind so you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. This is the lives that we're supposed to live in these end times that we're in. You know, the end of all things is near, Peter said. There, there's crazy times that we're in, and so what do we do? Do we freak out? No, we need to just settle in and just be alert and be even-keeled and be offering hospitality and just being God's ambassadors, being God's partners in this world, right? As he's bringing in a new heaven and a new earth soon, and Jesus will return soon. And, but then he says, Peter says, each one of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. What does it mean to be a steward? It means it's not yours, right? God has given you a gift, but it's not really yours. You're a steward of that gift. And so as a faithful steward, God expects us to, to do something with it, right? And so then he says, if anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. Rhett talked about that a, little, a, a couple weeks ago. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength who provides. God provides... So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. So this is this, it's a very unique or interesting thing, this idea that we have gifts, but they're not ours, they're God's. And then we use them for his glory, but it's by his power. So we're, we're a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. And, and, and it's glorifying God, but we still get to use our, like we still get to do something cool. Like it's an awesome thing that we get to do, but a lot of us don't want to do it. And why? It's because I think we're afraid. We, 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 we're afraid. We're risk averse, right? Because using your talents 
comes with risk. You know, doing that talent show, there was a lot of risk involved, and it went so bad. I'm like, I'm never doing this again. It was, it was just too horrible. And, and, and maybe, you, you know, you're like that. Maybe you've been af- afraid to use your gift, or, or, or you've been hurt in the past. Uh, what, you know, you, you, we, we, we get th- thinking, we get consumed with what will other people think? Will what I'm offering be received? What if I fail? Uh, what if people don't like the way that I serve, right? What if I give and give and there's nothing left for me? Or what if I give and give and I'm unappreciated and I'm not valued? And so we, you know, a lot of us sometimes we go, well, let somebody else do it. Uh, you know, I have this thing that I could do, but I'll let somebody else do it. Or, or we shrink back or we pull, pull inward. Or we invest our gifts in other things. You know, uh, well, they appreciate me, appreciate me at work. Or they appreciate me uh, in this organization I'm part of. You know, we, we invest our, and, and that's good. I mean, it's good to invest our gifts in, in all kinds of other things, but there's this idea that of a shadow mission. There's a book by John Orthberg called Overcoming Your Shadow Mission. just want to read you a quote. He says, a shadow mission is an authentic mission that has been derailed, often in imperceptible ways. Part of what makes the shadow mission so tempting is it's usually so closely related to our gifts and passions. It's not 180 degrees off track, it's just 10 degrees off track. So what he's saying is, as this passage says, we we've, we've have these gifts. A- and then there's something God wants us to do with those gifts, but then there's a shadow mission. There's something else that we could put those gifts towards. And, and, and it, ends up, you know, it ends up not being the design God had. And so what happens is it becomes about us. It's designed to be about who? God and his power and his glory. But it becomes about us, and then we get kind of tweaked a little bit, you know, because of the shadow mission. So, what, you know, how do you know if you're slipping into a shadow mission? Here are some ways to tell. A shadow mission exhausts you while a true mission energizes you. And uh, the title of our lesson today is Serve Strong. You know, it, it, a true mission should energize you instead of exhaust you. Uh, a shadow mission comes from guilt, from insecurity, or a search for personal significance, while true mission comes from freedom and love. A shadow mission is about you, while a true mission involves you, but it's really about God and his mission to bless others. A shadow mission leads to resentment, while a true mission leads you to serve no matter the response. A shadow mission slowly distances you from God, even though you could be trying to earn his approval by what you're doing, while a true mission brings you closer to him. And most of all, there are, there are these emotional peaks and valleys in a shadow mission while, that's based on results. While a true mission, it leads to persistent joy and persistent peace and all the fruits of the Spirit, even though it might be harder, even though we fail, you know, when we're really, when we're partnering with God, you know, it, 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 it helps us to, to live the life he's designed for us, you know, and in relationship to our talents. So a lot of this has to do with our identity and our relationship with God. And, and remember, this passage is about doing it by his power, whatever we do, by his power and for his glory. Instead of what a lot of us do is kind of it's all about ourselves, kind of like this. You know, this is how we try to, you know, it's by our own power, it's for our own glory, and it's this weird cycle and it doesn't work, you know. And so I want to look at an old parable. This is an old story Jesus told called the parable of the talents. If you know 
uh, Christianity at all, you've probably heard this story before. It's, uh, it's actually where we get the word, you know, the, the, the modern sense of what a talent is. Because uh, the word talent in, in this story is not what we think of as we think of the word talent. It's just a, a bag of gold, or it's, it's a unit of measurement, like 75 pounds is a talent. But in the story, it's about money. It's about bags of gold. So turn on over there, Matthew 25, and I'm going to grab my water bottle and get ready to do some reading here. Don't know where I left it. Oh, there it is. Okay. The camera guy, making Casey hard, work hard, following me all over. <laughs> okay. Uh, Matthew 25, give me an amen when you're there. All right, so we're going to read a story. This You'll see there's a lot of kind of similar ideas to what we just read in Peter, which makes sense because Peter was Jesus' disciple. And so here's a story Jesus told about this idea. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. We're in verse 14. Sorry, Matthew 25, 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, put his money to work, and gained five bags more. So also the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought another five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so when I returned, I would have received back it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him, give it to the one who has ten bags, for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sheesh, kind of harsh, Jesus. You know, this is a story that is, is interesting. A lot has been said about this story. A lot has been written about the story. I want to look at it from the hermeneutic or the lens of how we view ourselves as servants of God. So kind of our identity and, and how we view our talents and how we view the master. Like that, that's the, there's all kinds of ways you can look at this passage, but I want to look at it in terms of our spiritual identity and, uh, and kind of the, the worldview or the mindset of these different servants. So first of all, the context. The context here in Matthew 25, uh, we, did a, we did a series going through the book of Matthew. You guys remember? So this is part of that. Remember, there was five 
kind of sections, five sort of main discourses that Jesus, where it's, in, in Matthew, organize it kind of like the Torah has five books. There would be these things that happen, and then Jesus would have a long period of teaching. Then things would happen, long period of teaching, so on. This is the fifth one, and part of the fifth one. And it's the second longest next to the first one, which is the Sermon on the Mount. We probably all know that one. So this is part of the, what's called the temple discourse. So this is, remember, he goes in and he drives away the money changers. And, and there, it's all about kind of the temple and what the temple's supposed to do and what it's not doing. And, and, then, and then there's there, the, the disciples ask him the question, because they, they, they say, look at this, this temple is incredible as they're walking out. And, and, and Jesus says, every one of those stones is going to be thrown off the other. And the whole temple is going to be destroyed. And they, they ask him, some people say two, it's two questions or it's three questions. They say, what, when will this happen? When will the temple be destroyed? What will be the sign of your coming end of the end of the age. So those are, those are three different things. Jesus coming, the end of the age, and the temple being destroyed. But, and so the answer he gives is it's a little bit ambiguous. It's hard to know exactly what, what, he, what is about the temple being destroyed, what is about the end of the age, what is about the second coming. You, are you with me? Uh, and he says in, in verse 42 of Matthew 24, be on the alert for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. And so the all of these stories that he tells in this discourse are about that idea of being ready. So you notice in this story, the, ma- the master goes away for how long? What does it say in the text? A very long time. So it's very ambiguous. It's a long time. 2,000 years, to our perspective, since Jesus told that story, is a very long time, and he hasn't come back yet, right? But we're in this in-between period. You know, we're, we're waiting for his return. And so what, what kind of lives do we live? Isn't that what Peter's talking about in the same passage? How should we live? The end of all things is near, so how do we live? And so it's an, uh, the idea of being a good steward of what you have that's not yours as you're waiting for your master to return. So that's the context that we're in. It makes sense, right? But then there, there's something about this story. There's some wrestling it causes us to do because we don't like it. At least I don't like it. It doesn't seem fair, right? It doesn't seem fair that they didn't get different amounts. It doesn't seem fair. It's like, we'll take what he has, give it to them. And then, boy, that seems really harsh. Throw him outside, and you know he doesn't get to be in the household anymore. Uh, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, that means let him be a homeless dude. Like that's what when they say weeping and gnashing of teeth, that's the homeless would live by this place called Gehenna, which was this pile of burning trash, and you would, that's where you would live. And, and you know it was kind of like Skid Row downtown or something. You know, like that's that's kind of the image of Gehenna, you know, or, or of hell. When Jesus it's translated hell, but when he talks about hell, when he talks about Gehenna. That's the, what he's talking about. And he's like, let him, let him be just, he's not in my household anymore. So it's, it's harsh, right? And it, it seems, it, it, I don't like, you know, I don't like it. You know, I just want everybody to be good and everybody gets along and everything's awesome. You know what I mean? Are you with me? I don't like judgment. I don't like it. But, but this is the world we're in, right? And, 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 and Jesus told this story, so I got to do something with it. You know, I think uh, one thing that helps to understand is this is a very rabbinical thing. Like rabbis would tell provocative story. They want to make you wrestle. Jesus told things that make us, I mean, a lot of the things he said, if you read Jesus' teachings, you know, there's this public image of Jesus, and then when you read what he said, a lot of what he said is like, ooh, I don't like that. Ooh, that's harsh. Unless you give up everything, you can't be a Christian, he says, you know? Wow, that's kind of harsh. Uh, here, you know, this guy gets thrown out. You know, it's a little harsh. And, and, and the Jewish mindset, this is another little bit of context, burying it in the ground, which is what he did, that's, that's kind of a reliable thing to do, right? He, he did a reliable thing. He buried it in the ground. So what's wrong? What, 
what's wrong with this guy? I mean, he didn't even do anything wrong, did he? I mean, what's going on here? So I look at this story similar to Jesus' story of the persistent widow. You know that one? Where there's this widow who has not gotten justice, and she's bugging and bugging and bugging this judge. And this judge, is he a good guy in the story? No. He says, I don't fear God, and I don't care about people. <laughs> you know, how do you like that for your judge? I neither fear God nor care about men. Uh, but he says, this, this widow is so persistent with her cause that I'm going to give her what she wants because she's wearing me out. And Jesus says, that's the way we should pray and not give up. So the story is about the widow and her character. It's not about the judge. And so I think it's the same here. I don't think the story is about the master and his character, who he is. I think the story is about a servant and, and their character and their look on the world. And, and, and think about the difference in how these, uh, how, how these different guys, servants, look at their master. Is there a difference? There's a different perspective, right? The, the first two, you know, they're like, hey, it's, it's, it's his money. I'm going to try to let's see if we can do something with it. I don't have anything to risk. It's not my money. <laughs> you know, like, is there risk involved when you invest? Absolutely, right? And so, so they're taking a risk, but hey, who cares? It's not my money. I'm going to just, let's see if I can do something with this, you know? There's almost like a partnership, right? With, and there's no ownership because it's like... But then with the third, there's almost this adversarial relationship with, with, the, with the master. You know, it's like, okay, I am not a part of what you, what you just gave me. That's yours. I'm not a part of it. Like, I'm just going to bury it in the ground. I know you're... What's his perspective? You're a hard man. You're not fair. You, 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 you are, you know, greedy. <laughs> you know, you, you want more than you give. You, you don't even sow seed, and yet you want what, you know, a harvest. You expect too much. He has this very negative view of the master, doesn't he? A very negative view. Um, and, and, and so this makes me think about how we view God. This makes me think about how we view uh, this world that he's set up and is God fair or is God not fair is God you know is God an unfair judge Cer certainly some people think he is and Job even was really tempted with it I mean he was he was calling God unfair I mean if you read the book of Job he's going I wish God I wish I was in court right now with God and God was there and I was here and I could ask him questions that's where Job got to and I mean I would probably do way worse than Job did right that's where Job got to, and, and, but then God does show up, and God does answer Job. It says out of the storm, and, and, and God says in, in, in Job 40, verse 8, would you condemn me to justify yourself? And God doesn't really explain himself. He just says, hey, I'm operating on a whole different plane that you know nothing about. Do you really know? Do you know how all these animals were designed? Do you know how the whole world universe works? And Job is just like, I don't know anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should have said nothing, you know. And, uh, I mean, God is God, and who are we to judge his character, right? Who are we to judge? I mean, he's the creator. He could, he, could, he could delight in watching us suffer, and that would be his prerogative. I wouldn't like that kind of God. I'm glad that he is merciful and gracious and, and so amazing to me. But he's God, right? And so I think people who look for, for God to be this tyrant, often they find that God. Because, you know, because life is life. And, and so, you know, sometimes the same circumstances can make one person to be broken and humble and grateful to God and another person to get bitter and angry and shake their fist at God, right? We've all seen that, haven't you? Don't you have family members? They're just angry and they're mad at God. And 
because of what they've been through, and yet the same kind of hardships can cause someone else to be, oh, God is with me in this hardship. God is here for me. He hears me. He helps me. He comforts me. You know, so it's really, a lot of it is on us and how we view God. That's what I think this parable is about, is how do we view God in the world that he's set up? And how do we view our place that fits into it? And, and, and here's the thing, that is going to affect every aspect of your life. It's going to affect the way that you view your, your talents and your resources and your abilities and everything God's given you and what you should use them for. And it's going to affect your relationship to risk. Because this guy was not, he was not willing to risk, and yet the, the first two were willing to risk. And uh, my sister Holly uh, told me about her, one, one of her kids, that, uh, one, of her, uh, one of my niece or nephew, I have to be vague because, you know, kids don't like to be talked about. So it's one of her kids, um, but just had this really cute thing that they said uh, recently. And uh, this child said, I think Christianity is high risk, High reward. You risk a lot, but you get to be with God forever. Isn't that a great perspective? And, and you know, I think Christianity, he's, he's right. Or she, he or she is right. <laughs> because you can't be a Christian without risk. You can't be a Christian without risk. There's a, there's a scholar that said this quote I wrote down. Where did I put it? Love is not afraid of risk. It's the scholar named DuPont talking about this parable. Love is not afraid of risk. Isn't that true? Think about if you've ever been in you know, a loving relationship. Didn't you, didn't you risk? Didn't you put some things? You had to risk it, right? Sorry about that. Um, I remember when uh, Dessa... What is that? It's weird. Anyway... I remember when uh, I was um, trying to, you know, I'm in college, I'm trying to figure out, you know, dating and whatever, and I decided to like Dessa. And the guy that was the campus leader, he asked me, who do you like? And, you know, do you like this sister? Do you like this sister? I was like, I think I like Dessa. And he laughed out loud. He goes, that would be hilarious if you guys ended up together, he said. And you guys, you know, we've been together 28 years, so you're used to us. But I was this kind of artsy you know, kind of dark, weird dude, and she was this soccer player, always wore umbros, you know, sporty girl. We just were very different, you know, but I just liked her, you know, and so, but I remember this other brother told me, if you, you're never going to know unless you totally go for it. You got to risk it. You got to put it all out there, and so you got, you know, we've gone on a couple dates, and so you got to show her that, you know, you're interested, because, you know, we we don't want to, you know, we don't want to show our cards, right? We don't, it's like, I'd rather her like me first. You know, everybody likes, okay, but you got to just do it. You know, you got to go for it. So, so I knew she liked cheese. So I went to the grocery store after our date, you know, as a thank you. And I just got all these different kinds of cheese. And I told the lady that worked at the store what I was doing. And she was like, oh, let me help you. And she made this platter. And she put all this, like, you know, green leafy stuff on it and arranged it all for me and, you know, helped me out. And, and so, you know, I went for it. I mean, that... That would have been pretty bad. I'd give her a whole plate of cheese, and she's like, cheese? What? This is weird. But thankfully, it worked. You know, thankfully, she's like, yeah. But, 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 uh, but so Christianity, our relationship with God is going to involve risk, and so how, how we view God is, is, ties into this. So let, let's just, let me put this on the screen. So think about servant three, servant number three. He's self-protective. 
right? It's about, I, I don't want to get in trouble, is his perspective. And, and yet, servant one and two, their perspective is partnership. They're not worried about their place in, in the home. They're, you know, hey, they're not afraid of the risk. There's a partnership with the, 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 the manager, the, or the, the landlord, the owner. There's a cynicism with servant three, isn't there? I mean, what a cynical view he has of the master. And, and uh, you're a hard man, you, you, you're, you're not fair, you, you know, I, I don't want to get in trouble. You know, there's a cynical view of everything. Whereas there's an optimistic and open, open view uh, with the first two. And uh, Oscar Mia shared about uh, something he learned from Bema on one of our offerings recently about a good eye or a bad eye, right? The way that you view the world. Is, is, is the wor- world God made good and God is doing something good in the world? And is, is it a, a world of possibilities or is everything bad and everything, you know? Which way are you viewing things? I think that I, I see that in this story, don't you? There's a scarcity mindset with servant three. Right? I don't want to risk. I, I, I got to hold on to what I have. I'm going to bury it in the ground so nothing happens to it. Whereas there's a generosity mindset with the first two of just, hey, I'm not going to hold so tightly to things. Uh, the first servant is, or the third servant is all about what I don't have, whereas servant one and two is what I do have. And so, you know, just to sum it all up, I think there's a fear mindset in servant three and there's a faith mindset in one and two. And this is convicting to me because I can so much more be like this. It's just what comes natural to me. Anxiety, scarcity, holding on to things, afraid, you know, I want to control things. And boy, God has been teaching me that. I feel like I've been on this lesson since probably 2016 of God teaching me to let go. I can't hold on to things. I can't control things. I can't control my kids. I can't control the United States of America. I can't control the government. I can't control COVID. I can't, you know, there's so much I can't, I just can't control. And so I got to stop being so anxious. Is there a lot to be anxious about? I mean, it's almost as if each day has enough trouble of its own, right? Sounds like something somebody said. It's almost as if each day has enough trouble of its own. So I think God is trying to help us to He's trying to free us up like we're not in charge of the universe. He's given us these gifts and he has a mission. He wants us to use it. And so he wants to free us up to to try and fail. And that's okay. You know, that's what grace is for. Instead of being so worried and anxious and scarcity. You know what I'm saying? Um, I I ran across, you know how YouTube, once you watch something, they try to give you more of it. And then you get lost and you waste too much time. Anybody? That's only me. (laughs) I was watching this. Why did you take me on this long journey? Stop it, YouTube. You know, I, I'm usually pretty disciplined about that. But the other day, I think it, I think it started because I didn't realize Norm, um, is it McDonald? Norm had passed away. So I'm watching some Norm McDonald videos, and then somehow I got onto other things. And so Anyway, so I was on Conan retiring from The Tonight Show. You guys remember that? The Late Night Wars. This was 2010. And, and, and Conan got totally did wrong by Jay Leno. I mean, he, he did him wrong. And, uh, so, but he was leaving. And so they gave him a moment to say whatever he wanted to say. And the whole talk is pretty cool, but I just, I just have a minute of it for you. Because I think it has to do with what we're talking about. I really like what he has to say here. So I want to play this for you. I hope, you know, I, I encounter people when I walk on the street now or just uh, uh, who give me sort of a sad look. I have had more good fortune than anybody I know. And if our next gig is doing a show in a 7-Eleven parking lot, 
We will find a way to make it fun. We really will. I have, I have no problems. And here's what all of you have done. You made a sad situation joyous and inspirational. So to all the people watching, I can never, ever thank you enough for the kindness to me. I'll think about it for the rest of my life. And all I ask is one thing, and this is, I'm asking this particularly of young people that watch. Please do not be cynical. I hate cynicism. For the record, it's my least favorite quality. It doesn't lead anywhere. Nobody in life gets exactly what they thought they were going to get. But if you work really hard and you're kind, amazing things will happen. I'm telling you, amazing things will happen. I'm telling you. It's just true. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, but that, that resonates with me. I want to live like that, you know? Like, I, I don't want to be cynical. And, and uh, I like this. It's just one thing. Stop being cynical. And, you know, we're in a cynical time. I mean, just open Facebook. People are so cynical. And so this is where, as, as children of the light, as children of the kingdom, we have so much hope to offer. We have so much, you know, goodness and, and generosity and and just the character of Jesus is so good. No matter what's happening, the character of Jesus is always, it should bring peace and love and joy. All the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is what our world needs. And that comes through having this perspective of, of, that, of, that, of the first two servants and not the third servant. You know, and so I think that that's where the judgment comes. God gives the guy what he, or God in the story, the, the, the master, gives the guy what he wanted. He didn't want to be a part of this household. He doesn't like this master. He thinks he's harsh. And so he's like, throw him outside then. Let him get, you know, he does, I'm not going to force him to be a part of my household. And that's what God, God gives us what we want. If you're looking for a, a, a judgmental uh, overlord God and, and you want to fight him, he will let you fight him. I think it's better to surrender. I think it's better to go, wait, God made me. He created the whole universe. He probably knows what will fulfill me. Even if, it, even if it's giving up, you know, he does call us to sacrifice. He does call us to risk. He does call us, sometimes we're afraid, but you have to, tr when you're afraid, you go, okay, I will trust in you. Whenever, think of the psalm. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you, the psalm says in many places. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. That's what we do with our fear. That's what we do with our, you know, the world is scary and I can't control it. Okay, I'm going to let go and I'm going to let God. I don't know who said that. It's a good one. But, but, but that's what we do. And, and so how do you view God? I want to ask you, be honest. How do you view God? You know, do you view him as he's harsh, he's, he's not fair, uh, you know, or do you view him as he's the shepherd and overseer of my soul? As, as uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 2. You know, I trust him. He, he, he is my, he's the good shepherd, Psalm 23. He, he you know, he, he leads me through this world. I, I, sheep don't know what they're doing. Sheep can't, she, you know, sheep can't do anything except just be afraid. Uh, 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 uh. That's who we are, the Bible says. But Jesus, God is the good shepherd. And we can trust him with all the stuff that, that we go through. And so that, that means that we don't have to be afraid of risk. We can be freed up to use our gifts. We can be afraid up to, to sh share whatever God has given us. If you, don't, if you have an off worldview of God, then 
that's what the Bible's for, right? That's what Jesus is for, the person of Jesus. You've got to spend some time, and this world will make you scared of everything, so you've got to spend time in, in quiet meditation, and time with the Lord, and time reading the, His Word. Watch The Chosen. You know, I love The Chosen. The person of Jesus, it, it makes me want to cry. He's so good. Um, yeah, just spend time. It'll change your mindset of, of who God is. Uh, you know, just spend time reflecting on that so you get to the right place. Because these two views, think of, let's just think about this for a minute. So how, how would these, let's say you're an artist, that God has given you a gift of creating art. Maybe it's music, maybe it's visual arts, maybe it's dance, I don't know. But think about, think about if you have this mindset, right? It, you're afraid, what are people going to think? I don't want to put it out there, it's not perfect. You know, and you never do anything, right? Because you're so afraid. But if, if you have this mindset, it's like, okay, let's see what God does. And if it, if it fails, crashes and burns, oh, well, whatever. It's not about me. It's God's thing anyway, right? It's, it, it changes how you view that. I know personally, I had to make a decision many years ago. I am going to release mediocre music. I just, I didn't have the tools. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have, I couldn't make it as good as I would like to make it. Uh, but I had songs that God gave me. I want to share these songs. I want other people to know these songs. I want to be able you know, to share these songs. So I'm just going to have to go, I know it's not perfect, but I'm putting it out there in the world. And I had to let, like, let go of perfection. I know so many artists that never make the album or never do the project because it can never be good enough. And it's always in fantasy land. And I just had to go, you know what? I know it's not good. And you know, I have artist friends. You, know, you get the feedback from people, people who are really gifted artists that would sometimes be like, Man, that's a great song. It, we should really, you should really record it well, or you should, you know, you should, you should get it produced. Like really, you know, I, I just, I don't have the money, I don't have the resources, and I, I just got to do it myself with my, you know, my ADAT recorder, and that's what I'm doing. You know, like I just, I would rather just put something out there, and it's not awesome, maybe, but I just get better and better, maybe at it, you know. But let's think about hospitality. You know, if you have this mentality with hospitality, Steve talked about that, right? It's what you don't have. My house is too small, I can't cook, things are a mess. You know, it's, it's, all the, it's, it's what you don't have, it's self-protective, it's uh, you're afraid, I, I don't know if it's going to go well, right? I've had the hospitality mindset. I appreciate, like, Lewis and Eunice Cotonio, they were in our ministry for a long time, and they bought a house in North Redondo that was, had been under construction for, like, 40 years or something. This old guy had been building it for a long time. Lewis bought it, and it still had a lot more work to do. So it was under construction the whole time they were in the ministry here. So any, anybody ever go over to Lewis and Eunice's house? Okay, it was always under construction, right? There was always something that was, you know, that was kind of, like, corded off or, you know, caution tape or whatever. But they had people over anyways. I mean, it, yeah, we're, we're still working on this. It, it made you feel like you're being invited into their world. And Eunice never, I mean, I don't think she would mind me saying this. It was never like everything is already and prepared and, the, 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 you know, like, like we want it to be, you know. It was always like, oh, can you stir this? Hey, can you set the table? Hey, can you, you know, hey, do you know how to make lemonade? You know what I mean? Like she puts you to work and it makes you feel like, oh, I'm a part of this, you know. I, that's, that's, this, that's this mindset, not this mindset, right? What about, what about public speaking? You know, Rhett talked about this. Or, or leading a Bible, to, a Bible study with somebody. You know, this mindset is, oh, I'm afraid they might, it might not go well. I might mess it up. What if, what if I give and then they don't want to become a Christian? I've invested my heart. What if I pour myself out for somebody? Uh, you know, whatever. You know, you see how this plays into every area when it comes to using our gifts or our talents or abilities. Leading a small group. You know, I really appreciate the small group leaders we have. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. 
for leading our small groups. But this mindset can be like, oh, I, you know, we don't have a place to meet, or we, the people in my group are annoying, or I, you know, like, versus, wow, I mean, think of what God can do with these people, or think of how, it's, it's just a whole, it's the way that you view the world, and I'm telling you, this is my default, and this is what I want to be like. This is what Jesus is like. This is what the story is about. And, and here's, here's what Paul said. I lo- this is spiritual maturity. I've got I to wrap this up. Galatians 1.24. This is an interesting verse. Paul is talking about his ministry, and he's defending his ministry. I think Galatians is the first, I think it's the first letter he wrote, and I can tell you later why I think that. But so, so he is, a lot of people are not on the Paul bandwagon at this point. A lot of people don't like Paul or don't think he's a good minister. or what, they, you know. But he, So he's kind of defending his ministry, and he says, and he's talking about the apostles and the people in Jerusalem, and he's trying to defend himself to the Galatians, these people who he had helped become Christians, by the way, all these people in all these cities, and now they're kind of turning against him. But he says this, this one sentence, and they praise God because of me. What do you think about that sentence? Does it sound prideful? It sounds a little prideful at first, but then you think about it. No, that's not prideful at all. Right? They praise God because God, who got, who got praised? He didn't say they praise me because of me. That would be prideful. He said, they praise God because of me. Like, I was used by God in a way that brought God the glory. That's why I love doing worship music, because it's not about me. And always like, oh, Brian's amazing. You know, or if, if people are weird like that, sometimes I'm like, eh. It, you know, it's God. It's God is amazing. And, and so I love that I could, write, I could write a song, and especially for years, nobody knew I wrote this song, and there's thousands of people singing this song that I wrote. And it's like, that is so cool because it's about God and it's their relationship with God. And, and even now, even people know I wrote the song. It it's belongs to the church. It's like, it's not my song. It's the church's song. And then I see God use it and it's like, wow, they praise God because of me. Something I, I did, but now it's in God's hands and God used it. That's, that's what, I think that's what God wants for every one of us. I think that's what this story is about. I think that's what First Peter is talking about by his power, for his glory, but I'm involved in the process. So it's like, it's like God has blessed me, and then I, I use that to bless them, and they praise God. But that's, this, is, this is what it means to, to live this verse. This is what it means to be uh, a good steward, a good and faithful servant of what God has given you. It's, it's, it's this kind of perspective. Uh, and, and, you know, we have a lot of great examples of that. I appreciate uh, the Butlers and, 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 and their team lately, you know, doing the Rush Week thing. That was just so awesome because it's like we don't have, the campus is not open, <laughs> right? There's nobody on campus. What are we going to do? Oh, let's just do something, you know? Not, let's, let's not just do one thing. Let's do something every day of the week and just see what God does. That, that, I love that. That's exactly what we're talking about. It's risk. There's a risk. Maybe nobody will come. But I just love their, their perspective of, Maybe it'll be bad. Maybe it'll be good. I don't know. Let's just try it, right? And, and then God worked in all these different ways, all these things, and maybe ways they didn't expect, right? Probably. You probably thought something was going to go like this, and then it didn't. It went like that. But amen. God still did. You know, like, I love that. Uh, you know, and a, a lot of us uh, are, are doing things. I mean, Paulette's starting a new YouTube channel, right, Paulette? So follow her on. You know, she's, she's thought about it for years. She's finally like, eh, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stop. Stop wondering about it or thinking about it. I'm just going to do it. Uh, Aaron has a cool new project. Aaron Doty showed me. Uh, I love it. It's so cool. It's like little kid videos. Ask him to show it to you. It's really awesome. 
It's very it's a Halloween theme. So, uh, uh, you know, I mean, think about just so many people in this congregation that use their gifts. I mean, Calvin Johnson is just there for people in their hardest, darkest times. You know, he is the you know ministers to people in their health crises, in death, in sickness. And, and God has, has used him to help people. The, the Blancos have offered to help people who have marriage needs, and he has said it was okay to tell you guys. Um, you know, they are, they are gifted, both gifted, both highly educated in, in some great tools that they could use to help, help uh, you know, if couples are struggling in their marriage, so they're willing to, to get with, with any couples that, that need help. So the Blancos are back there. So talk to me or talk to them, you know. I'll, I'll be your agent. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I appreciate, uh, Devin told me they changed the name. So these are no longer the tech guys over here or the tech ministry. Cause he said tech ministry, that's like focused on the technology. That's not the point. So they're calling it the link ministry. So it's about linking people to our church, linking people to God, connecting with people through technology, but it's, it's, it's a ministry. And if you, if you didn't know, here's our YouTube stats. I pulled this up. So we have 867 subscribers that's a lot more people than here or even in the church right so 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 that we're blessing other people that want to see what we're doing or learn from us or maybe they're not connected to a local congregation and this is look at that little spike what what happened then <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> but god i mean i love that our team you know and at first it was just my son marshall and then it was my son marshall and ally and then it was marshall and ally and devin and now they have a whole team you know and ben and brian you know and but, but, but God is using that because they're willing to give and they're willing to serve. Ben and Brian are here every Sunday. If I get here at 7.30, they've already been here and they're already setting up for a while, you know, on Sunday morning. It's, it's just awesome. So, so think about it. How, how, how uh, has God gifted you? And, and can you have that perspective of, wow, I, can, I, can you believe I get to do this? That's a phrase that I've hung on to that I think and I try to tell myself a lot. Because that helps my perspective to get in the right, right place. Whatever it is I'm doing, my perspective should be, can you believe I get to do this? Can you believe I get to do music? Can you believe I get to be a parent to these amazing children? Can you believe I get to be a husband to this amazing woman? Can you believe I get to live in Southern California? Oh, man. Can you believe I get to live in America? Can you believe I get to preach God's word? Can you believe I get to read God's word? Can you believe I, I can buy a Kindle a cool spiritual book and, and get it on my phone and read it wherever you know like whatever it is like that's just the perspective that we need to have can you believe i get to do this whatever it is and so think about it for you i, I want to call you to make a decision to take some next step you know i think again sometimes we don't do something because it's just too big and we're thinking about it and it's just the land of good intentions take some next step in using some gift that you have think about that for a minute you know, what, or reflect on that today. What could my next step be? You don't even have to tell anybody, maybe, because you want to, it's just between you and God, but you go, hey, maybe it's a risk, right? But, but, but you're partnering with God. He wants to use you for his gift and for his purpose. And so take some next step. If you're not yet a Christ follower, I, again, God has a mission for you. He, he, his offer is to use you to bless the world, He's offering you mission, stewardship, purpose, partnership, and forgiveness of all your sins, by the way. So become a Christ follower. If you are a Christ follower, I just want to remind you again of your identity in Christ and, uh, and, and how God wants to use you for his purpose and for his mission. You know, he, he, you are part of a mission to bring salvation to all the nations. You are part of a mission to heal the sick, to serve the poor, to bind up the wounded. 
to release the captives, to open the, the eyes of the blind. Uh, you are part of God's mission to do that. And so that's why he's given you the gifts that you have to, to, to be used by him to do that. Uh, we're going to transition into to, to saying a prayer for our offering. And this passage, I think, has a lot to do with how we view our, our weekly offering. I know a lot of us give online or it kind of happens automatically, but I think it's good to be reminded of why we give. We give, I like what Brian, Brian said. We were talking about worship this morning, and Brian connected it to his giving. He said, you know, with, with my contribution, he said, I don't look at it as, oh, I have to give 10%. I look at it as God gives me 90%, <laughs> you know? God gives me so much. And, and so our, our relationship to our stuff, Jesus talks about that a lot. And I've already talked too long, so we can't talk about it anymore. But he talks about that a lot. And so our offering is where a way that, that uh, you know, we, it's a kind of a proxy for how we live in relationship to all of our gifts. Are we, is it scarcity? Is it self-protection? Is it fear? Or is it faith, open hands, you know, generosity? God is big, and I want to partner with him. I want to give back because he's given me so much, you know. And so think about that as we pray for our weekly offering. God, thank you to be able to uh, give back to you out of the abundance that you've given us, and we just want to stop and pray and, and reflect and remember that. I know that, um, you know, for some of us, it's kind of an automatic thing that happens, but I, it's just good to remember why we give and what we're giving, and, and uh, just we want to be a part of something eternal, and we're thankful to be able to contribute to it. I pray that you bless this offering. I pray that it would glorify you. I pray that everything we give, you would multiply and use to bless the world around us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.